I'm Laura from Catalyst Inc Connect. Welcome to another episode of Succeed in Business, Springboard Northern Ireland's most powerful personalised accelerator programme. Shares everything you need to know and didn't know you didn't know. Everything you need to know to establish, grow and scale your business successfully. Springboard, accelerating innovation through experience. Today's episode, recorded at the Innovation Centre in Derry, Londonderry, is titled Must Have IT Security for Early Stage Companies. And we are in conversation with John and Daniel McLaughlin, Managing Director of MCL Services. Talking today about security for early stage and startup companies, and I guess if you talk to a lot of the founders, it's probably the least important thing on their mind. Treat security as one of the more important parts of the organisation and it's easier to implement it at the start and develop good practices and processes rather than trying to bake them in later. Everyone should be involved in security and everyone needs to be aware of the threats and risks that face the organisation. You should really determine what information or what data you're likely to be storing and if possible look at what you could be storing in the future and make plans for it now. So you're looking at things like making sure that you have a good firewall in place. The threats that an organisation face differs based on the organisation itself and the security response has to match the threat landscape. For instance, if you look at something like a bank as opposed to a retail front, they both have very different threat levels and both have very different security needs. Let's think about those couple of different types of, of companies that you mentioned. A lot of companies that, that we see in Connect and Springboard are potentially pre-revenue or early stages of revenue. So one of the key things they want to do is generate sales leads which they can convert into orders. They may be sending out uh, a lot of email over MailChimp or another mechanism or their website set up so they're trying to have traffic come to the website where they can get sales leads from. Two things that come to my mind which Maybe they should be aware of one of sending out a lot of emails. How do they avoid being blacklisted? And then secondly, how do the people protect themselves on their website, for example, from incoming spam? Well, there's uh, you brought up actually a really interesting point. Uh, if you're using something like Mailchimp, that's actually one of the better ways to send out uh, mass emails. But the important thing, and it's actually part of their terms and conditions, is that you have the consent of the person you're sending the uh, marketing message to that they're going to receive it because the CAN Spam Act in the US and their similar legislation in the UK actually enforces financial penalties if you are sending uh, spam or un- unsolicited commercial email as they describe it. The other challenge is on your website. So you're trying to generate sales leads, drive people to your website and then how do you then convert those into an opportunity? Do you have a web form? or do you just put your email address on it? If you're using a web form, there's lots of third-party plugins. If you're using something like a WordPress site or a Joomla site that handle that part of it for you, so they take care 
of making sure that the email can only go to you and uh, a malicious party can't use your website as a staging area. So I would say if you can, use a, a well-developed application, especially on websites and forms. You should be trying to use a CAPTCHA where possible. So that's the occasionally garbled text that you would see at the bottom of the form. Or what Google are doing now is they're using the CAPTCHAs to build their uh, road sign. So they'll say, pick the parts of the picture that have a road sign on them or pick the parts that have a street name. So they're actually using the capture which they supply for free to help develop their own internal systems. In summary, those two little bits in terms of getting email out there is use a, I guess, a well-proven, recognised system like MailChimp. Yeah, spam is still an enormous problem on the internet. It's about 86% of all email messages sent are spam. And that's about 400 billion messages per day. So trying to get your message and not have it be part of that group and actually make it to someone's mailbox can be quite challenging. And on the website side, use lots of those little pictures and characters at the bottom, which says, well, I'm not a robot, I can actually read these and make yeah. some decisions. And, and That's it. Them. Great. So let's get on to the, the I guess, the, the subject of passwords. Uh, and I guess one of the questions, how do, you, how do you protect your information, how do you protect yourself from hackers? and passwords is probably a good place to start. Passwords is a good place to start. There's a, a change in how people are recommending uh, you do passwords and it's actually going from a password to a passphrase. Uh, the Centre for Critical Infrastructure in the UK, they're actually recommending you use a passphrase and don't change it often. Make your passphrase uh, strong, so have a mixture of characters in it, but the longer your passphrase is, the stronger it is against brute force attacks. Uh, the other one is don't reuse passwords. They, people say it all the time, but it's really important that you don't use the same password for all services. One way to avoid reusing passwords is to use a password safe. So there's a few open source uh, versions available, there's also commercial ones from large companies like Logman who acquired LastPass last year. They provide a service where they will generate your passwords, store them securely uh, on your local machine and then you can copy and paste from the password manager into the application or some of them actually have an autofill feature. So you don't have to remember passwords, which nicely introduces the next part was you should be using multi-factor authentication where possible. So that's usually a password and a PIN uh, which changes. So you'll see things like Google Authenticator. If you're an app developer, you can integrate that easily. Uh, there's a lot of systems that are already using it. Uh, so you can enable it for Gmail, uh, Office 365, and a lot of other commercial services have it built in. Great device. I think somebody said if you had an infinite number of monkeys with an infinite amount of time, they could write all the great books in the world. Yeah. In other words, you probably will get hacked. So no matter how good your password is, there's a potential that a robot at some stage is going to come up with that. So always have your stuff backed up somewhere. Yeah, a backup and restore is one of the critical pieces. Uh, if a business experiences a catastrophic failure, and usually this is referring to something like a fire, uh, but data loss can also be classed as a catastrophic failure. 40% of businesses will close within the year and 25% will not reopen after the catastrophe. If you think about that, that's a large number of businesses that will stop trading 
and that can be disastrous in terms of local employment, in terms of exposure. You could be struck off as a director. It's all well and good having a backup, but if you can't actually bring everything back, that backup may as well not exist. Talk a little bit about data protection regulations. So whether you're a startup company and you're gathering information on your potential customers, you have them in a database somewhere, you have probably names, telephone numbers, addresses of your potential customers in there. So they can be identified within the database. What do I do? What, what are the regulations? What's the onus on me to make sure that's protected? Now is actually a really good time to be talking about data protection because there's a significant change coming in 2018 with the general data protection regulations. There's a few significant changes coming. One of them is the right to erasure where a user of your service can request that their information be deleted and you must comply with it, assuming that there isn't a legislative or a regulatory reason not to. For instance, you can't call your bank and say, I want you to delete me as well as my £15,000 of credit card debt. That won't work. But if you're a service like Facebook or Google Plus and a user contacts you and says, I want to be deleted, you have to comply with that and there is significant financial penalties for failing to do so. The other part is the right to privacy. Again, this affects a lot of social type websites, so things like your Facebook again and your Google Plus, where the privacy settings have to be set to high by default, and then the user is able to open it up as they decide. The other part of the GDPR is that you have to notify the Information Commissioner in the UK. So you'll see the, the ICO uh, branding on things like the Data Protection Act and also uh, mailers to say, yes, we are registered with the Information Commissioner's Office. So if I'm a startup, an early stage company, I've got my Salesforce CRM tool or my Zoho, which is free as well. Is it, Do I still have to register with ICO? So I might have 25, maybe 50, maybe a couple of hundred of names and addresses and telephone numbers on there. Yeah, you, you do have to register because you're a data processor, you're the person that's actually going to be using the data. Salesforce and Zoho and all of the other su uh, suppliers that you're going to be using, they too will have to register, but their registration requirements are going to be different. So here's a question. There's a lot of cost saving rather than supplying everybody with their own computer, PC, tablet, mobile phone that everybody uses their own. What are the connotations from a security perspective? The, the problem with people using their own devices depends largely on where your data is being handled. For instance, if people are working in your office space and they're connecting to your servers on your local network, that's where bringing a personal device could potentially be a problem uh, because you have to make sure that people have good antivirus and anti-malware. You have to make sure that the their system hasn't been compromised. However, if you're using something like a cloud service like Salesforce, as you mentioned earlier, or any of the other software as a service platforms, the, the risk can be reduced. One of the things that you should be mandating as a company is a minimum standard. So for instance, one of the, the things that is important for mobile devices like laptops uh, is full disk encryption. If you take your personal laptop to Starbucks and you leave it behind and it's not encrypted, anyone could potentially remove the hard drive from the computer, access all of the data without having to know your password. So I guess in summary, if you've got lots of devices and lots of private devices which are going to be used, firstly, 
minimize the amount of data that's actually stored on the device. So use cloud services if you like. And use, use cloud services or use remote services. So keep right. keep your data on a server or on uh, a, on a cloud services provider. So like your Salesforce again. Uh, and minimize the amount of company data that's stored. A couple of questions, uh, points just to finish off with. I guess one is uh, antivirus, malware, well understood you need them on PCs. Do we need them on Macs, for example? It's an interesting dilemma. You really should be using them on all devices. However, the, on, on any system, they're always going to be playing catch up with the third parties. Uh, one of the growing trends is uh, ransomware, where people will lock your files and then force you to pay a ransom for the key to unlock them. So that can go anywhere from $200, and the, the highest that's been reported so far was almost $100,000 for one event. Uh, anti-malware and antivirus can help protect against that. But again, a lot of it is going to come down to user education. So I guess what I'm hearing, bottom line, good risk management, use it. It's, it's, it's a good thing to do uh, because you can't control everywhere you are. Last thing, VPN, a virtual private network. Yep. Good, bad, use them, don't use them, why use them? Uh, again, it comes down to how you're accessing the data and where you're accessing the data from. What a VPN does is it provides a, a private connection back to another network, not necessarily your company network, but just somewhere that you can trust. So there's a lot of third-party VPN providers that people are using to anonymize themselves on the internet. So particularly in countries like China, where there is, they have the, the Great Firewall, as it's described, where all out-of-country traffic is monitored. If you're uh, visiting China for a sales mission, you may find that you don't want to check your online banking, you don't want to access any sensitive information because someone else is going to be seeing that. What a VPN does is it allows you to send a secure encrypted connection back to somewhere that you trust, whether that's in your own company or with a trusted third party uh, so that you can be sure that your connection isn't being uh, monitored either by being on an insecure Wi-Fi network, which is quite common. Covered a huge amount during that podcast. Everything from minimum requirements through to regulations on uh, data storage to using secure passwords and thinking about phrases rather than short numbers and letters, yeah. which are potentially hard to remember. Last question, if you can think about from a security perspective, and so what's the single biggest lesson that you've learned through your time dealing with all of this stuff. A malicious third party only has to be lucky once. So it's important to test uh, your security measures. So possibly engaging with a third party company to come in and test your infrastructure. Or if you've developed a killer app to test against that application to make sure that it's not leaking information or that it's not able to be compromised. Again, in summary, security from an IT perspective is really important. Whether you're a startup, you haven't actually got an order yet to whether you're a much larger company and uh, the advice is do the groundwork get the foundation in get some advice from outside you won't know it all but this is really important to your business and I think you mentioned some really scary figures earlier on in terms of the number of businesses that are actually hacked don't come back from that yeah. great Daniel thank you very much thank you very much John thanks John and Daniel that wraps up today's episode 
Be sure to check out the show notes for a summary of the discussion and for all other information. Please get in touch with us via Twitter or Facebook to give us your feedback on today's podcast, all linked below. I look forward to catching up with you all on our next episode. Thanks for listening. Oh, <laughs> oh,